Hey, I'm Zach. Thanks so much for checking out this week's message. I hope that it encourages you. I hope it challenges you. And I hope that it causes you to dive deeper into God's Word. I also hope that you have some community around you that you can talk through some of these things with. And if you don't, we'd love to invite you to be a part of our community here at Restore, whether that's coming to one of our Sunday gatherings or coming to one of our Restore groups. Either way, we would love to see you. You can get more information about that on our website at RestoreAustin.org. And I hope you enjoyed this week's video. Good morning. How is everybody doing this morning? I, I would assume good since you're here. We've enjoyed the worship thus far, huh? Well, just to uh, let you know, my, I am, uh, my name is Mark. I um, want, serve as an intern here at Restore, but I'm also on the connection team. So I am not Zach, the lead pastor. So if I know we kind of look alike, but <laughs> I am not Zach. Have you been enjoying the Upside Down Kingdom? Can you just respond with a clap if you've been enjoying? I think uh, Pastor Zach have been having a great time with these parables. I mean, from the lost sheep, from the Pharisee, uh, the two debtors, the rich fool. Let me just tell you a little secret about the parables. They are a preacher's dream. Preachers love teaching and preaching about the parables. There are so many stories in them. Um, they're hidden messages with a, you know, a earthly uh, view. And so preachers love pulling stories together about the parables. But in today's parable, this is the type of parable that you would give to an intern. Let me tell you why, because Zach, when he told me about the Upside Down Kingdom, he said, hey, Mark, um, preach, I want you to preach on this particular day, and do you have a particular parable you want? And I mistakenly rolled the dice, and I said, Zach, whatever you, whatever you want. And that was not a good choice, <laughs> because today's parable is just, I mean, you look at it, three verses. Not a lot of fanfare, not a whole lot of wiggle room where you can tell a different story. So today's the type of parable that you would give an intern. So let's look at today's parable. It's talking about the hidden treasure. Those of you who have your Bibles or your phone or your tablets, turn with me to the book of Matthew. Should be up here. The 13th chapter and the 44th through the 46th verse. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the, heaven, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. And so like I said, Zach gave this parable to me, and I was like, come on, Zach. But I, I digress, but, and I'm going to need your help, though. So at the risk of sounding cliche, can I get an amen? amen. Can I get an amen again? Amen. All right, you have just solidified my A. I, I think I got it. I'll get an A on this assignment by that response from you. The kingdom of the kingdom teaching, it has a great lesson on the kingdom of God. 
And it's different from any other kingdom. The kingdom of God is not like our earth, an earthly kingdom. And that's why we come up with the upside down kingdom. And if you look in the book of Matthew, Matthew kind of tells a story about Jesus as the king. So the theme that you would see in Matthew is Matthew presenting Jesus as the king of Israel, and as a king, he has a kingdom. I think Matthew illustrates this point best in the fourth chapter, um, verses 16 and 17. He says, the people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light. And those who were sitting in the land and shadow of death upon them, light dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so we find Jesus in the house with his disciples with this parable, alone telling them about the kingdom. So Jesus is in the house, you know, the parables are normally, he was out in the open and, and talking about the kingdom of God. He was out in the open talking about what heaven looked like, about what this kingdom feels like. But this parable here, he's talking alone to the disciples in the house. These two verses are bookended and serve as a source about the kingdom, specifically to the disciples. And this is something they needed to hear as they submitted to following Christ. It was important for them to know and understand the magnitude of the investment that they were making. And so the disciples are in the house with Christ and they're hearing this story. And I can imagine some are probably in the house thinking, what have I just got myself into? This parable relates to value. And it caused me to think about one of my favorite shows. Have anybody ever seen the show Antique Roadshow? The host, Mark Wahlberg, he travels around the country helping others to determine the value of their antiques and family heirlooms. And the suspense of hearing the value is just as great as hearing the story behind the antiques. And in every piece that is brought to the attention of the host, there is an understood sacrifice for the item as well as the value attached to each piece. So I want us to understand that value and sacrifice, they work hand in hand. So I'm always fascinated with each story. So I've, I've put up a few of the stories that I found very interesting. This first one you'll see here is a King Long Jade collection from the King Dynasty. The woman's father purchased these items in the 1930s or 40s while he visited China. He paid no more than $100, and these pieces were valued between $710,000 and $1 million. I mean, that's, that's amazing. The second story is one of my favorites. It's a 1904 Diego Rivera El Abenil painting, oil painting. It was kept behind the door at somebody's house, and it's valued at $800,000 to $1 million. And so when we talk about value, I began to think, am I the only person that struggles with this question about value? 
Am I the only person that in my walk with Christ, I have asked the question, is it really worth it? The things that I'm going through at the name of Christ, is it, is it really worth it? You see, because a first century person, that would, a first century audience that would hear this story, they would have been challenged by this story. And so these guys, these 12 men, they put their lives on hold to follow Christ. They dropped what they were doing and followed him. And as you know, they didn't always get the story right, but this is something that they needed to hear. And so with just these few verses, there's a question. Where does the kingdom get its value? Or better yet, how is value assigned? And I believe that if we struggle with this question about value, maybe it's because we have placed our own value system upon the kingdom and therefore we make decisions based on that value. And if it were that simple, then there would be no need for this story. John MacArthur in the parables, he writes, it is significant that in both of these parables, the main character did precisely what most savvy investors would strongly warn against. The first man sold everything and bought one field. The second man sold everything and bought one pearl. So if we compare value to a bull market or a bear market, then we can predict the value of the kingdom. However, once we compare it to eternal value of our soul, then we are forced to make decisions with eternal value in mind. Matthew, the sixth chapter, in the 19th verse, it reads, Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth or rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we all make decisions based on how we value something. If we value our spouse, we do things to make them feel special. Thought that lady over there would say amen. But if we, um, <laughs> if we value our spouse, we do things to make them feel special. If we value our job, we do things not just to get promoted, but to make the environment better. There's a phrase I used to use, blossom where you plant it. So if, uh, if, the, if we value the job, then we'll blossom where we plant it. If we value our children, we prepare them for the future and we begin to tell them the things, the pitfalls in life that could happen to them and, and guard them and protect them. If we value people, then we put, our, we put our needs beneath them and put their needs before ours if we value people. And so I can imagine the disciples were really considering this question about what's important. And so here these 12 guys are, they're feeling the, the, the tightness in their chest and the, the sweatiness in their palms in this house. Why Jesus tell them this parable. You ever been in one of those situations 
or someone begins, they're telling you about the things that are going on, you begin to question, I, I don't know if this is for me. I was in that before where I'm a logistician. I was in the Army for 27 years, and as a logistician, I was deployed to Iraq, and we would have to convoy the supplies to the infantry, and um, because of me being in logistics, they said, well, these are your supplies. You have to make sure they get there. And I said, well, why do we need to go? Because just put them on the truck and let the infantry guys take them up there. No, we want everybody involved. And so they began to tell us the dangers of this convoy and all that we have to look out for and some of the hazards of this and the IEDs and all these different things. And I'm saying, Lord, I'm just a supply guy. Come on. And oh, by the way, we have no helicopter support. So I'm saying to myself, I don't, I don't, I didn't sign up for this. I don't know if this is really worth it. Given my life for this, what are we fighting for? We ever asked that question before? We ever had that tension that is this really worth it? And so, as these disciples are thinking that, let's, let's see how this story kind of plays out in the open. In the book of Mark, the 10th chapter, this is a, a very unique story. It's, it's a long dialogue, so stay with me and we'll, I'll talk you through this. There was a rich young ruler that came to Jesus, and this is a lengthy discourse. So like I said, I'll highlight these few points. It says in the 17th verse, as he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Now, when you first look at this story, you would think that's a great, that's a great greeting. Hey, good teacher. But it has a little bit of funniness in it. Because when Jesus says to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God. Don't miss this. By saying no one is good except God, Jesus is directing the conversation toward himself. And Jesus is forcing this young ruler, if you recognize my goodness, then you will recognize me as God. And so at this point, the young ruler have to make a decision. Do I want to acknowledge you as God? So he changes the conversation a little bit. But Jesus kind of qualifies his statement. He says, oh, you know what? You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said unto him, what did he say? Teacher. Now, he didn't say good the second time, did he? Isn't that amazing? Now, his heart is convicted, and he didn't say good. So he said, okay, I'll just, I'll go through the formalities of the religion. And so he says, teacher, I've, I've kept all these things from my youth up. And Jesus, looking at him, it says, felt a love for him. And said to him, one thing you lack, go and sell all you possess and give to the poor, 
and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But at these words, he was saddened and went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. Jesus said, one thing you lack, go and sell all that you have. This word sell can also be translated into trade. Trade it in. The part that I like the most is, is Jesus looked at this man with love in his eyes. This young ruler with love and said, give it up. Give it up for me. With love in his eyes, he said, do it. If you knew what was at stake. And this young ruler turned around and said, I can't do it. Says he was saddened at this. The word saddened can also be translated This man became angry and bitter that I have to give up something. And I think that's the state that we're in in Christianity today because we we put so many rules and regulations and think that you have to do this and you have to do that. People become angry and bitter. It's not about the rules. It's not about the regulations. It's about Jesus being the king and saying, I want you into this kingdom. Just come and follow me. And he left. He, did, he left. He was saddened. And then there's more to this story that as he left, now is Jesus and the disciples walking. And you know, I always imagine Jesus walking slow. So Jesus is walking and I don't think he was ever in a rush. And the Bible says in the 26th verse, they were even more astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? This is the disciples talking now. They, they looked at this dialogue and says, wait a minute. This man got a lot of money. Money can buy us into heaven. That's the mentality they had. He says, then wait a minute. They said, then who can be saved? Looking at them, Jesus said, With people, it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Peter began to say, behold, that means look. So he's saying, look, we've left everything and followed you. Jesus said, truly I say unto you, there is no one who has left house, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, farms, for my sake or for the gospel's sake, but that he will receive a hundred times now in this present age houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms along with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. Jesus qualified this by saying, look, your job is not going to save you. Your wealth is not going to save you. Your friends are not going to save you. Your drugs are not going to save you. Alcohol is not going to save you. All of those things, it's impossible with man, but with God it is only possible because salvation comes through me. 
And so Jesus declared that it's impossible beyond our human merit or achievement, but this isn't the case with God. And he has the power to provide all things necessary for our salvation, rich and poor alike. It doesn't matter who you are, all things are possible with God. And so we want to put this story back into its context. And so we're still left with the question, where does the kingdom get its value? And I think today you are being asked, what do you value more than eternal life? You have to make a decision based on the eternal value that is understood. And I believe Christ is looking you right in your eyes today, just like he did the young ruler with love, is asking you, give it all up. Sell all that you have. Follow me. And let me make this clear. He wants all of you and not your stuff. He wants you to exchange it for his life. Exchange this life of pain. Exchange this life of hurt to follow him. Because this kingdom is a heavenly treasure lying in the field of this poverty, this poverty-stricken, bankrupt, and accursed world. It is a prize sufficient to make everyone on earth, it is a prize sufficient to make everyone on earth who is poor and miserable and blind and sinful, immeasurably rich for all eternity. See, this treasure includes salvation and forgiveness. It includes love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and meekness and faith and temperance. It includes all of these things in this kingdom. And you see in this particular story, so in this kingdom, Jesus places himself direct in the center of the story, and he makes calculated actions on our behalf. If I can get this today's lesson back on the screen, it says, the kingdom of heaven is like the treasure in the field, which a man found and hid again, and from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls, and upon Finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had. Look at what he talked about. He says, with joy, this man found this. And I think this is significant in his context because isn't that man's basic desire to have joy, to be happy? And therefore, true and eternal everlasting joy is only found in this kingdom. Notice that he identified the joy that is experienced with a true find. Not finding religion, but finding a true joy. That's man's deepest desire. It was so valuable that he purchased the entire field. I think he kind of stumbled on this treasure. If I could just illustrate this, I could just imagine this, this man, this, this, this farmer, you know, out digging and, and, and working, and, and he sees something shiny, over, over there, and he said, what, what is that? It got his attention, this farmer, and he, he says, what is it that's so valuable? 
And he began to dig and dig around it and look, looking around. You know how you think you're doing something wrong, but you're just not sure. And so this man, he digs and digs and digs and digs. Oh, my gosh. Look at what I found. It's a picture of you. It's you. He takes that picture and he hides it and he says, I got to buy this entire field. I got to buy this field. And I can imagine Jesus at the tax assessor's office in Jerusalem. He's in line and next. Uh, I'm here for the property on, um, Golgotha, on Golgotha Hill. Golgotha Hill? You mean the place of the skull? Yes. That land is worthless. There's nothing good about that land. Oh, but if, if you only knew. Well, whatever you say, what is your down payment? And with love, Jesus looks and says, my blood. I'm going to buy the entire field because it's that precious. It's worth so much. Your face, your sins, my sins were in that field. And he says, I want the entire field. I want to protect them. I want to die for them. And so my question for you today is how long, how deep do you have to dig? How deep do you have to dig to find that you have value and he loves you? He came to redeem you, his pride and his treasured possession. Bible also says that the man found the pearl. He went out and sought a pearl. The thing about pearls is pearls are uniquely formed. Its formation occurs because of an irritation in the tender side of an oyster. And this, this pearl, it would have been equivalent to finding the Hope Diamond, which is worth millions. I remember a time when we were stationed in Turkey we would go to these markets, and the markets were always filled. They were always full. It was a narrow little alley, and they had stores on the side and people selling things, and it was, it was loud, and it was, I mean, voice, there was the music, and there smells, and all this kind of stuff. And me, <coughs> I immersed myself in the culture because it's always about bidding and selling and, you know, one thing you, we have to go to the field with the mindset, never pay full price. And like I said, Sylvia, she used to get upset with me because uh, I would be so immersed in the culture and I would be, I don't want to pay you that. And they would be like, yeah, you, you come on, come on. And so some people would be saying, Abby, okay, now I need your help. So on this side, I need you to say, Abby. Like brother. So Abi means brother. So you got people in the market saying, Abi, 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 
Come on, Abi. They want you to come over there and buy. And so this side, let me, let me hear you say it. Abi. All right. And so on this side, to make it more personal, you walk a little further in the market, and they will be saying, Arkadesim, which means my brother. So this side, I want you to say Arkadesim. Okay, so let's say it together. And so, no, keep on saying it. I'm trying to get my attention. Yeah. Okay, and, and so stop, stop. Okay. That's what it was like in this merchant's area. And that's the message that Jesus is saying, that Jesus, he don't hear. He can go through all of the noise and know what he's doing. And he's walking. And he says, oh, my gosh. You, you want how much for this? Oh, I don't need to negotiate. Jesus said, I don't need to negotiate. I'll sell everything. I'll give everything that I have. For this pearl. And I believe in this pearl, he, he looked with love and he saw a reflection of his church. He saw a reflection of his people and said, I cannot leave this place without giving all for it. So another question for you. How far do you have to travel to find that you are a priceless jewel in the kingdom of God with value and potential and worth? 15, 20 years ago when I was preaching, you would, you would hear me preach and say, God don't need you. I would say that. I would preach that. I don't feel that way anymore. You wouldn't hear me preach that. Because you know what? God needs you. He needs your strengths. He needs your talents. He needs your gifts. He needs your love. No one can smile the way that you smile. No one can talk to people the way that you talk to people. No one can make people feel as comfortable as you. So bring your talents. Bring your gifts. He needs you. But the thing is, the, the same point is made in both parables. Count the cost of following him. And if this is done thoughtfully, you will surely realize that the pearl is so valuable and the treasure is so rich that it is worth letting go of every temporal treasure. And so this question that I'm confounded with as I study and as I pray, this question about value, what is it? that brings the most value to the kingdom, and I have come to the conclusion that it's you. You bring value to the kingdom. It is you who brings the most value.
And so my question for you today as I close, what is your response to the things that have eternal value? What is your response to Christ? selling all of himself, everything that he had, putting it all on the table and dying for you. What is your response as Christ seeks you out, loves you, and says you are his precious pearl? I don't know how you got to where you're at. I don't know how you got here today, and I'm not talking about a car. We're talking about spiritually. One man stumbled on it. Sometimes, you know, there are different things that we've been through, tragedies or sickness or a bad relationship, maybe a car accident that made us say, wow, God, you really got my attention. We stumbled on it like the farmer. Or you could have been like me that I was, I was ready to throw in the towel. I was ready to walk away on ministry. I said, Lord, I, I can't take this. I was mad at God for a while. And I said, God, I'm good. And it was during that time that the Lord Jesus sought me and said, Mark, I love you. I have other things for you to do, not what you have in mind. I have something else for you. And he came after me, and he made me feel loved and appreciated and valued. And so I say today, what is your response to this great love? How about we all stand together today? Perhaps you don't know. Perhaps you've never felt this great love. You've been experiencing it and something is nudging you. Perhaps it's the call saying, come. that's you we want to pray with you as I pray over the service and over you after we finish our prayer you can meet me and a team of prayer warriors back there and we'll pray with you today perhaps you're saying I've, I've been a Christian for a while but I don't feel I can bring anything to the table I don't feel valued We want to pray with you as well. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. As we acknowledge you for all that you've done on Calvary for us, help us to never forget, Lord, to count the costs of following you. 
Help us to count the cost, God, the, the love and the unrestraining love that you have for us. Let our response, oh God, be that of, yes, I will follow you. Let us be partakers of your great love and joy. And Father, help us to know you more for the pardoning of our sins and for our love for you and one another. This is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen.